How's life there? Oh, well, that's an interesting question right now. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. I uh, try to keep up via basically through, you know, social media and CNN and, and stay on top of everything. Um, it's crazy. It's crazy watching how the world has changed so fast. You know, even before this happened, I felt like every single week you didn't know what the week would bring. And then last week that was, uh, you know, spinned upside down, turned upside down. I've thought for a long time, what in the world would make sense to talk to you about? And I came to, I think I'm in the process maybe of coming to the conclusion that I really just want to hear what you have to say. I got a lot to say, that's for sure. A lot, you know. I had my own podcast and I was perplexed about what to talk about on the podcast. You know, I, uh, I had to spin it about life versus just photography because I feel like, you know, like I felt during 9-11. During 9-11, I lived in New York City. And, you know, it was at that point in my life, especially, it was just about work, 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 work. And I had people who were, you know, in that same mode who I knew who were friends of mine who worked in the tower, who yeah. left, who left their jobs, walked downstairs, um, and then had the idea about, oh, I've got to get this work done because whether they were in the other tower, went back up and never walked out again. There are things in life that come out of nowhere that upend our life and we have to deal with life. And that's been this entire year from the, from the virus on. There've been so many things that have just made us stop and pause. And this is definitely one of those moments. It just keeps, I, I feel like we're like in the middle of a snowball almost. Um, it's getting bigger and bigger and, and, and more chaotic and more important at the same time. I, I, are we, are we reaping what we've sown? Absolutely. It's funny. I almost, I almost mentioned that same phrase uh, when talking to some friends today. I use that phrase a lot. You reap what you sow. Right. But it's not used in reference to this use. It's about, you know, work. You know, you, right. you reap what you sow. You, you work hard. You advertise. You market. You know, you yeah. put all this time into, like, studying your craft, and then you reap the benefits of that. But that works in every single way. In every single way. Not just photography. In life, in general. It's, it's, it's a universal law. You reap what you sow. Period. And it feels like that now in America. You know, it hits me differently because, you know, I am African-American. Um, 
I live with this daily. So I understand it from a different point of view. You know, it's it's funny because since this happened, I've get, I've gotten so many calls from friends, you know, um, all over the world. <laughs> of course, from America, uh, friends in Europe, friends in Asia. I mean, everybody wants to hear my opinion. Um, and that's because in many cases, I may be their only African-American friend. Yeah. Everybody wants to hear my take on it. Um, I have one friend here in, I live in Japan, uh, in case many people don't know, but I live here in Tokyo. I've uh, been here for four years. And that kind of racism, racism that people experience in America, people don't understand here. Um, and I have a friend here who I was trying to explain that to, and she just couldn't understand a lot of things because it's not, it's, they don't have the history of it. Right. That makes the huge difference. Right. So are you saying that in Japan, like you're in daily life, you have a def, a different sense and a different feel. Absolutely. Just- Absolutely. 100%. I'm not saying that there's not, Racism in Japan. Right. Discrimination in Japan. There is. Right. But not on the level, not even 2% of the level that is in America. Since I moved here, some of my good friends are, have said, you seem different. Your work seems different. These are the people who really know me. And I was shocked even hearing that from some of my good friends. They're like, you know, we can physically, you can tell that you are happier and it's true it's and it's the small things you know before this happened i was coming back to the states about once a month on average like uh last year came 11 times uh year before that i came 10 times this year i came every month until you know the the virus hit um and that's been my life since i've moved here so i get to see this this you know back and forth this i get this you know perspective of seeing life here in Tokyo and then life the moment I step off the plane in America. When you're living there all the time, you take it as being another day and you get used to certain things. When you leave, it really hits you. This is is resonating with me a bit. When you're in an oppressive environment. And I'm not going to get into how oppressive or anything specific. I'm intentionally painting with the broad brush when I say this. When you're an impress when you're in an oppressive environment, there's like a kind of a, a an acclimating so to speak. And so what I'm hearing you say and I'm asking more than anything is that you can almost get used to it to a point where it's not like you're not affected by it, but you really see it or you see it clearly or certainly feel it clearly when you're not in that environment anymore. So when you go back to Japan after spending time here, 
or even when you come back here from there, it's that much more apparent. Is that fair to say? Somewhat. I don't think you ever get used to um, mm. discrimination or race. Sure. No matter what, you never get used to it. Sure. You're always aware of it. The thing about growing up in America, you know, I was born in New York, raised in South Carolina, moved down south when I was seven years old. I think that was the first time ever that it hit me about, you know, differences. In New York, it's a melting pot. So if you grow up there, you see people from all over the place, from all over the world. And that was my first seven years of my life. When I moved down south, it was a very different reality at that time. You know, I was born in 63. I'm 57 years old now. Um, it's very different living here. There's, there's this... It's like a fog of racism that exists fog. in America. So if you can imagine this fog and you get used to living in the fog and then you all of a sudden come out into the sunlight and you experience that, that's what it's like living here. You, you, you don't have any... I think fear is the wrong word. It's not fear. It's this constant feeling that at any point somebody could say something or you could be, or, or not say something, you know. Um, I really, really identify with the situation that happened in Central Park. Yeah. That, that type of racism discrimination happens every single day more than the, the very blatant stuff of like, you know, somebody being killed. So small things that happen every single day. Um, for that to happen in New York, you know, the most diverse city in America shows how systemic racism is in America. It's, it's deeply inbred in the culture. And people, you know, they, they deal with it, whether they like it or not, you know, it's another story. There's this denial about it, of course, um, but it's there. It's in every industry, definitely in our industry. You know, I've, <laughs> I started my career as a photo assistant in New York City, assisting some of the best photographers in the world. And at that time, when I began my journey in photography, there weren't many people of color who worked as photo assistants. Now, the assistant is the person who's basically the, the trainee at the, at the bottom of the totem pole. But I worked in the industry, and very often, I never saw somebody who looked like me. And I got used to that. And then as I evolved to a working photographer, Clients were shocked to see me um, on both sides, on the client side and on, you know, if I'm shooting a celebrity, people were shocked to see me as well um, because you just didn't see people of color who were working as photographers. And that was a while ago. I've been shooting now for over 30 years. And sadly, there still aren't a lot. Um, America's in a place where it needs to have a wake-up call. That's been brewing for a long time. 
I think people got to the point of being comfortable. Mm. I mean, you could, you could exist, you could have a, a great life. You could, you know, you do, you, you seem to have a lot of freedom to advance your career, to, to have wealth, have all these different things, but there's still this, this, this fog that exists. And when you walk out that fog, it changes things. When you walk out the fog and you go somewhere else and you see that what real opportunity is about, like, you know, here in Japan, if you are talented, period, you can do very, very well. That's not the same in America. And it's sad to say that, you know, if you work very, very hard in America, um, you may or may not be successful. Mm. It could be thrown on a lot of different factors. And mm. you know, it's not just in America, that's in a lot of places too, but there's a different level of it um, at home. I saw, I saw a post from a man of color that, that rocked me. He said that... Uh, there's a picture of him walking with his dog and holding his daughter's hand. And I think she's probably about eight. So close to my children's age. And he said that he doesn't go walking in his neighborhood alone. He said that essentially he brings his daughter to protect him. I understand that. I absolutely understand that. And that's funny. Um, see, this is, these are small things that you don't think about. No, but here, I here would have never thought about that. I know that one very well. I would never do that in places in America just because somebody might think, you know, I'm threatening. It's in the back of your mind. That's what he was getting at. Yes, it's in the back of your mind, absolutely. But here, like even last night, you know, I went out late, you know, for a walk by myself. You know, it's late, late at night. And in Japan, people come back home late. You know, a woman can be walking by herself in a dark street, come walk toward me. Don't think about, you know, fear. It never crosses their mind. Things say hello to me, whatever. That would never happen in America. If I'm walking it down the street at night and say a woman who's, who's not African-American or, you know, sees me, Right away, they're going to think, okay, am I safe? Should I walk on the other side of the street? Those things don't happen here. And those are the things that little by little make this little impression and pull us further and further away and cause this divide that we've had all these years. I have... It gets to the point where it becomes like this this tipping point, and it, it turns into what we have now. Right. Yeah. I have, I have two children of color. I don't know if you knew that, but I do. Um, my daughter's from Nepal. My son is from Thailand. And it's, it's coming up more and more. My daughter's 10, my son is 7, and we, we're talking about skin color. Yes. And they and they're asking questions like my 
and we and we talk about it at this point um we're we're talking more and more about racism and what that is and how and how people treat people differently because of what they look like sometimes and we even talk about with my daughter because you're a woman sometimes you'll be treated differently like we're 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 trying to teach them i want to teach my children well and i don't know i don't always know how to do it um even with what i said to you earlier like i feel like i just misspoke when i said you get used to it and and how could you get used to something like that i don't and it's and it's difficult because i I don't know. I have no idea what it's what it's like. I can't. I can't imagine the fog that you're talking about. I believe you that it's there for you, and I'm concerned that at some point it will be there for them as they get older and they understand more, um, and they see it more, and they're starting to comprehend more. Um, I don't know how to. I want to prepare them and I don't I don't know if I know how to do it. I mean education is 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 powerful period. Making them aware of the world in general is important for sure. Making them understand, you know, the power that they have um and the power is in being different, you know, um mm. I talk about that a lot. As a photographer, your superpower it really is in in use you know using your fingerprint, and we all have that fingerprint. Whether it's you know how you look, how you view the world, we all have this this way that's unique to us, and that's a superpower. Some people try to take that way and make you feel like you need to be like everybody else, but you don't. So the, the sooner you get used to accepting what others may see as whatever, yeah. but better you'll be. The superpower is really being secure in who you are. And I think that's the most important person, most important thing you can teach any child to be, you know, self-sufficient to, yeah. to really understand their value as a human being first and foremost. How do you, how do you, um, how do you address the part that, when you start talking about things like this and they start understanding that the world can be a scary place, how do you, how do you try to talk about it in a way that doesn't terrify them? I thought about that a lot because I've talked to uh, my nephews and nieces over the past few days, I've talked to friends who have younger children. Um, it's scary because this this hasn't happened in you know since since I was a child, and I don't remember right. as a kid. You know, I have no memory of this as a kid, even though this was you know for sure memories that would you know traumatize you for sure. Yeah. But either I blocked it out, but sure. I don't remember it. How do you talk about it? Children are more resilient than we know. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. You can't hide it. You can't sugarcoat it. 
And it's funny, kids are so, they're so honest. Yeah. Yes. They're so honest. And we lose that. And you, you start teaching them empathy, which is something that has been lost. You teach people, you teach kids empathy. You teach them the golden rule, which I believe with all my heart would solve so many of the world's ills. You teach people how to, you know, simply treat somebody how you would want to be treated. Yeah. But in our society today, there is this, this thing about, you know, wanting to do better than the person next to you. Now, competition's great, but there's a point when it can really ruin society. And any extreme is bad. And we are almost in that, you know, we're in a selfie age. The selfie age has brought a lot along with it. Mm-hmm. I mean, just selfish, selfie, all these things that come along with it, these are not, you know, positive terms. Mm-hmm. How we, sh- we should not rejoice in, you know, you know, that we have so much more than the next person. Yeah. This is a point of being, you know, of course, you know, there are some people who do very well, some people who do not as well. But the disparity between rich and poor is, or, in, or not even rich and poor, freedom and the lack of freedom. Yeah. Or, these things can destroy society. And sadly, that's what we're seeing. And I think the worst part about it is the denial. I love listening to podcasts, and you know, I've, I've listened to a lot over the past few days, you know. Um, and a lot of it has been hearing people in denial. And it's sad. It's a process. You know, I heard somebody talking about, you know, I love Seth Godin. I I play his, you know, podcast a lot. I, I read his daily emails. Always great, great stuff. Always great, great stuff. Uh, to make you stop and think. And he said something, you know, one of his uh, um, emails or podcasts about people refuse to believe when they're wrong, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that's true. People never, even, you know, if it's all the evidence speaks to the opposite, nobody wants to be wrong. Not yeah. wrong about how they feel, not wrong about their right. beliefs, not wrong. It's just... It's just how you know we are, we are we're made. Um, how do you handle it? How do you handle it? when you're in a situation? You find yourself in a situation like that, and and denial is pervasive. And you have this you have this golden rule that I also embrace. But if somebody's in denial. What can you what can you do? How how do you approach that? It's or very hard to hard. it's actually almost impossible to change somebody. And you know, the, the arguments people have, they're almost arguments don't change things. People will only change when they want to change, you know. No matter what the discussion is, people will not change based on you arguing with that person over your point and them arguing over their point. Because in both cases, 
neither one are hearing the other. They're just, right. you know, putting their point out there. And that's what we see a lot happening on social media, in the news, on CNN, on, you know, TV. You're seeing everybody arguing their point and trying to get everybody else to see what they feel and or imagine what they feel. And no one can imagine what you feel like. They can see it on TV and kind of get an idea, but it's impossible for them to imagine it if that's not their reality. And nothing you can say can make them. I feel that way anyway. What has to be done is there has to be a point when there's a shakeup. The shakeup is what makes people stop and really think. And that's what's happening now. There's a shakeup. And it's not, I mean, there have been some bad things that have happened for sure. And I, I hate to have seen all the things that have happened around looting and, and yeah. the rioting. And I've seen, I, I hate to see how peaceful protests have been marred by those situations and the attention that those situations get. It still doesn't take away from the problem. And the problem must be addressed no matter what. Because if we go back and we just let things settle down and get back slowly to the way they were, it just boils up again until this happens again. And maybe it happens worse next time, you know? We have to solve a problem. Well, the problem comes back and it bites you in the butt again and again and again. Yeah, and like you said, sometimes worse and worse and worse. I mean, this could not happen at the worst time, having, you know, this happen during COVID. It's like there's this energy in... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't believe in, in you know, this, this whole thing of, you know, doom and gloom. I believe we have this power... Um, to change things. I mean, I have to believe that. No matter right. how bad things get, I believe that we have this power within all of us to stop, see what's going on, and change it. Make a decision to change what's going on. There's always that decision. There's always, and you know, no matter what happens in your day, there's always this point when you have to make a choice about going one way or the other. And it's good to have this point when you have this self-reflection, when you stop, really look in the mirror and ask those hard, difficult questions. Have, have those hard, difficult conversations with friends. I've, I've had those for a lot of friends lately um, who want to talk. I had one friend who sent me an email yesterday. I've known her forever. You know, she's like saying, Matthew, have I ever said anything offensive to you? Yeah. And... You know, we're good friends. We haven't seen each other in a long time, but we're good friends. And we can have open conversations and, and really heartfelt conversations. Those are hard to have. Um, people walk around and are scared to say something, scared to talk. But you can, whether people talk or not, you can feel the energy. Every person of color can feel the energy when you walk in a room. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I've been in many of those rooms. I've, I've talking to large groups of people at conventions where I'm close to being the only person of color in the auditorium. Yes. I can feel yeah. the energy in the room. Yes. Uh, and very often it's not what's said. It's not what's, it's, it's what's not said. Right. Yes. 
Sometimes that, that silence is louder than anything else. You know, I, I, the other thing I was thinking about you that stood out to me, first of all, I, I neither one of us obviously had any idea that this was going to happen. Yeah. Um, certainly not when we were talking about reaching out to you a few weeks ago initially, but, and then and now <laughs> here we are. But I, even before this happened, I thought to myself, Matthew Jordan Smith, and I talked to my wife about you, because I usually do if I have somebody that is, you know, r significant in the industry that she knows, I ask her, I ask, what do you think about when you think about Matthew Jordan Smith? And and it was a kindness, like a, a kind, gentle soul. And I said, I have never heard anyone ever say anything bad about Matthew Jordan Smith because people talk, <laughs> people say whatever they say. Um, and I, I, this is not to take away from what you just said. In fact, it made me think about it because of almost like this juxtaposition, how you can be in a room. And I've, I've been in that. I've probably been one of the people in that auditorium where you're up on stage and if there's 1,500 people in that room, there might be 13 people of color. And 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 you're on the stage. I so I say what I'm saying because it makes me think. Here is a man who is in this upper echelon of people from a social standpoint, where nobody has anything bad to say about him. You are you are like a person that's beyond reproach, which is extremely rare these days in my in my circles. And, and yet you can be in a room like that and still be in a fog. Like the fog is there. Absolutely there. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I am sad about that. I mean, I don't, I don't mean to say that that's all the time. It's definitely not. You know, there are times when I'm in a room, especially if it's a younger crowd, where that's different. Um, it just depends on, you know, where you are. But that element can be anywhere. I don't want to be part is. of that. I don't want to be part of that fog. I, I would hope to think be. that a lot of people wouldn't, but if that was the case, we wouldn't be where we are right now. I had to stop looking at Facebook and all the comments. I, I can't, I can't look at them anymore because people can say, be, when you're hidden behind a computer, people say what they feel. Uh -huh. Which is good because you get real honest, you know, opinions that you would not get if, you know, you were face to face. It tells the true story. Have and, you had, I mean, did you have to walk away because you had people that you didn't realize felt the way they felt even? Absolutely. I had, a, I had.
I had one friend who I've known for a long time who was making these arguments, and it was I was so upset looking at them. I wanted to call him right away. I didn't. I uh, I closed Facebook and haven't opened it since. You know, not to look, go through it, just to go to my personal pages and, but not to look at any comments because the comments show you exactly why. The country is where it is right now. Yeah, that's that's a good point. You reap what you sow, and you 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 see the fruits of the labor by just looking at social media. What in um, what in closing would you say to people that? are starting to maybe see things from a different point of view. Um, what would you say to them regarding moving forward now? Because here we are at another, another season, another time where things have festered and then, you know, it, it blows up the way that it has. Yes. And maybe, and, and may, I guess my hope is that p people see things maybe from a, a different perspective. Maybe this is what it takes, right? I know. Maybe stuff like this is what it takes for some people. And for those people whose maybe minds have been opened even a bit, to close out, what would you have to say to them moving forward now? I think the thing that we all have to get past is being quiet. I think we have to be open to having real conversations that will definitely not be comfortable. Not arguments, but real conversations where, mm. number one, where we listen um, to, to, number one, listen for the problem. Number two, work toward a solution to fix the problem. Um, if it's just this, this back and forth, nothing ever happens. We've seen that argument happen over and over again in, in other areas, um, like you know, gun control in America. But there are things where those 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 arguments they lead to nothing. There's no no re resolution. Um, this can't be that. There can't be at a place where there isn't any resolution. There has to to be some way to to have conversation there needs some to be some discourse where we we find solutions i think back to you know to the 60s oh, yeah. and and before i think back to gandhi you know i think back to martin luther king and how things happened you know there needs to be a a voice of reason that we don't have to talk in a manner that's not going to agitate, but going to heal. Our mm. country needs healing badly. Mm. No matter where you sit on what side of, you know, left or right, whatever those things are, our country needs healing. <sighs> How we fix it? 
God knows I don't have all the answers at all, but I know we need to be able to have discussions because if we can't do that, you go nowhere. So for those who are open, if you can please not stay silent, have conversations, uh, real conversations. They may not be easy. As a matter of fact, I'm sure they won't be easy, but we need to have them. And when you have those conversations, don't try to change somebody's mind because that's very hard to do. People don't change unless they want to. And even when people want to change, that's still very, very hard. <laughs> yeah. Think yes. about that. Yeah, just wanting to change doesn't get you there. <laughs> no, no, it does not. It does not. Uh, I am humbled and honored that you would take the time to do this. I... I didn't know what to expect, um, but I really appreciate you taking you're in you're and you're in tomorrow, which is kind of funny. Yes, people I am. Don't, <laughs> people don't put that together right now. It is it is the third for me, and it is the fourth for it you. Is the you are for me. You are in the future. <laughs> Thank you for this, Matthew Jordan Smith. Thank you for for this. Um. I look forward to seeing you at at the next convention uh, that we're both at. There again, I'm um, looking forward to that. I mean, we all are being on the other side of this thing, you know, in every which way. Being you know, on the other side of the, of uh, this pandemic, being on the other side of this 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 situation in America, mm-hmm. just being on the other side, past all of this is what we are all looking forward to, I know. Hopefully we'll get there soon. Amen. On all fronts. So we can get back to, you know, running our businesses, building our friendships, hopefully in a in a better, smarter way. Something that's truly sustainable, not just now or for five years, but for generations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We need that. We need that because the way things are will only lead to the way things are right now going forward. We have to change that. Thank you. Thank you. Um, now I will let you go to sleep as I start my day. <laughs> Sorry one, again man. for yesterday. I was, I was, I picked myself in the morning. I woke up this morning. I saw that email. I'm like, well, technically, it is. <laughs> we're literally, we're literally having this conversation in two different days. It's, it's a first for me. It's a first. I do it all the time, and I shouldn't have made that mistake. I'm like, well, I know, right, right, right. Well, thanks, dude. Have a good one. Uh, until you. next time, I really appreciate it. Thank you. Bless you and your family. Be safe. Stay safe. Thank you. You too. You too. <laughs> all right. Bye.